Welcome to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. Here we aim to help you fulfill your highest calling in Christ by strengthening your relationship with God, your community, and yourself. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, Merry Christmas, Family Life. We're so glad you could join us. Here I am in our own living room, in our own home, where I hope you are with your own family. This whole idea of this Christmas special was sort of born of an old family tradition of mine, where we would all pile into mom and dad's bed and we'd all talk about Jesus, the meaning of Christmas, and we'd all center ourselves around Jesus and pray together and then begin our day. So I hope this also serves as a practice for you and your family to get back to the heart of Christmas and really uh, focus in on that today. And speaking of family traditions, almost every single Christmas Eve that I can remember, we had this enormous Italian family Christmas Eve. And our Italians out there will probably know what I'm talking about, the seafood-style Italian Christmas. And as part of a big Italian family, there was probably, I think one year I counted, 72 people present at this family party. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And I have a confession to make. I'm going to begin with a confession. As a kid, I, you know, you'd show up at this party and there was a lot of family members there that I would only see once a year. So between last Christmas and this Christmas, I never actually bothered to learn the names of the people that I didn't know. But at a certain point, I got to be about like 15 and 16 and 17. And I'd look around the room at my family Christmas party and I'd look at all these 72 faces. And there was maybe a couple dozen people that I had no idea who they are. They're family. They must be family because it's a family Christmas party. But I'm like, I actually don't know what your name is. And they would all come up to me at Christmas and say, oh, hi, Danny. Merry Christmas. Good to see you. And I'd be like, hi, you. And I genuinely, at a certain point, it just becomes, it's too rude to ask. You know, it's like, it's been so many years. And if I don't know now, I'm probably never going to know. And I never bothered to find any clever ways of deducing it or remembering any of these names. But I just thought it was so funny that at my family Christmas parties, there was people in my own family, I didn't even know their name. So here's where that I think is relevant. When I was a kid, if I did not know the name of one of my family members, I was very hesitant to interact with them because I was concerned if I talk to you, I don't actually know, I couldn't call your name across the room and get your attention to bring you towards me. All of them know me, all of them love me, but I don't know their names. So I have a hard time relating to them when I don't know their name. So as a thought experiment, think about if you were at a family party and every individual at that party was one of the different names of God or one of the different attributes of God. And every single person in the room carries a different piece of who God is. My question for you is, do you know their names? Do you know his names? Because God, your healer, might be in the room, might be at that party. Do you know his name? Can you call on him as healer and interact with him in that way? Your provider, Jaira, is in the room. He's a part of your family. He's all part of that same God but do you know him by that name? Could you call out that name across the room and interact with him in that way? So I want to unpack a couple more names for us today because this is so important of just understanding these different pieces of who God is. We want to know his names because we want to find ways to relate to him better. The pessimist in us might feel condemned or guilty of, I don't know all the names of God, and maybe I've been around for a long time, and I've read my Bible a dozen times, and I don't know his names. This is not a goal of condemnation here because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So rather than, you know, try and talk about this in any sort of condemning way, this is actually an exciting opportunity. So the opportunist, the believer, the the optimist within you has to think about this differently. They have to think about every person in this room that I don't know 
is another way that I can interact and know God. It's another invitation to experience a part of who he is, to understand a different attribute of him. Every stranger that I, I get to know that's no longer a stranger is a more full and robust picture of who God is. And I get to interact with him with more understanding, with more knowledge of his nature. So don't be condemned by the fact that there's so many names. Truth be told, it's kind of overwhelming. There are a lot of names. But don't look at that as an overwhelming task, but more as a one-by-one It's an invitation to deeper understand who God is. So today I want to talk about three of the most important names that pertain to the season that we're in called Christmas. So to find the first name, we have to go back to the prophets. We have to go back to Isaiah 7 verse 14. And Isaiah is prophesying, speaking on behalf of God, telling the Israelites what God is planning for their future. So let's go to that verse, Isaiah 7 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now that's a name. That's one of God's names right there. Emmanuel translates to God with us. So he's saying that someday a virgin will conceive a child and that child somehow is going to be God with us. And that child sounds pretty fascinating because in, in the very next verse in Isaiah seven fifteen he said, he will still be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. And I think this is funny. I kind of looked past it at first, but curds is essentially like cheese or butter. It's like curdled milk, which is gross. And, but apparently it's tasty because that's what kids eat. And then honey would just be like a snack or a lollipop, today's equation of that. So what Isaiah is basically prophesying is that by the time Jesus is eating string cheese and lollipops, he's going to know right from wrong. The kid is just going to have righteousness built into him because he will be God with us. So here's a fun bit of trivia for you. How much time do you think passed between the prophecy that Isaiah gave and the birth of Jesus? And I'll actually pause. I want you to actually make a guess. If there's anyone else in the room with you, make a guess, throw it out there, get the number in your head, shout it out, high or low, whatever you want to do. Do you know how long it was between the prophecy of Jesus and the birth of Jesus? That answer is 700 years. 700 years passed between that prophecy and the birth of this child, of Jesus, of Emmanuel. So for 700 years, God's people waited and believed and waited and yearned and waited and got angry and resentful and then apologized and then waited and then got mad and then left God and then came back to God and then waited for 700 years until finally that prophesied day arrived. And that brings us to Luke 1, verses 26 through 35. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I thought this was funny. We'll pause here for a second because I read that be like, why would Mary be troubled? And then it took me all four seconds to realize, oh, this is a recruitment conversation. The angel shows up and says, Mary, you've just been doing such a great job. You know, you're just, you're killing it and everything that's handed to you. You're a great person. And Mary's like, okay, okay, okay. What are you asking me? What do you want from me? Why are you buttering me up for this? (laughs) I love that Mary's nervous. Are you going to ask me to serve in kids ministry again? Yes, we are, Mary. So anyways, 
the angel's talking to Mary, saying, you have you good and faithful servant. You know, you, the Lord, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. So jumping back into verse 30 there. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It's very clear that one name is not going to be sufficient to describe this newborn king. In just those last five verses, in Luke 1, 30-35, the child is assigned three different names. He is assigned the name Jesus. He's called the Son of the Most High and the Son of God. So while Jesus has many names, he got three names in five verses, why was it the case that Jesus was the name? That was the name assigned to the child. That's the one that he will be called out of all the names, the name above all names was Jesus. Why? So to find the answer to that, we have to go over to Matthew, the other account of Jesus' birth. And that's in Matthew 1, verses 20 through 23, which says, an angel appears to Joseph and says, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. So he's referencing that same verse in Isaiah that we started with. But why will he be called Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, translates more literally to something like the Lord is salvation. Or maybe even simpler than that, God saves. It's what he does. And why would that be his name? Why would Jesus be called Jesus? Well, if you think about it, his identity, his mission, and his ministry are all summarized right there in that name. What did Jesus do in his time on earth? He saved. He saved people from sin. He saved people from suffering. He saved people from torment by the enemy. He saved people from sickness and disease. He saved people from this crushing, ruling, religious, authoritarian presence. He saved people from death and destruction. He broke the power of sin and death. He saved everybody. Of course God saves. And nobody could have done it except the Son of God, Jesus, Emmanuel. So of all of the names that Jesus could have had, Jesus, God saves the God who saves. What a fitting name for this, for this child. Now, let's say you're one of the wise men at Jesus's birth, and you've read these prophecies. You know them all. Maybe you've even memorized some of them, but you know that 700 years ago, these prophecies over and over and over and over again talked about this idea of this coming king, this lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, who would break the power of sin and death. You know this, and you've been waiting for centuries. Your great, 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 great grandfather told you stories about this and asked you to read these prophecies. And after centuries of waiting, finally, God's word is coming to pass. Of course you're going to go there. Where else are you going to go? Where else could be a more exciting place to be than at the birth of this Christ? And if you knew these prophecies, maybe you even knew some of the other names that were used to describe this coming king. And if you didn't know those things, then maybe this moment would have been lost on you. It's just the birth of another kid, but it's not just any child. This is Jesus. 
This is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the everlasting father, mighty God in the flesh, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. He's here. He's actually here and he's with us now. Emmanuel's God with us. So where did these wise men want to be? With him. Because another thing that these wise men understood is what happens throughout the history of the Bible. What happens when God is with somebody? When God was with Moses, the Red Sea parted and water sprung forth from a rock. When God was with Daniel, he, he shut the mouths of lions, starved lions. When God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they walked through fire unscathed. When God was with David, he killed Goliath, a fearsome warrior with nothing more than a sling and a stone. And when God was with Elijah, he lit an unlightable altar from, with fire from the sky. God does incredible things when he is with people. And now, for the first time ever, Emmanuel, God is with us. And maybe these wise men, much like I do, read these stories and say, oh man, if God were just with me like he was with them, I could do anything. I would, you know, feel so much better to have that nearness with God. Imagine if he was with us like he was with them. And then it clicks for the wise men. It must at some point of, wait, he is with us. He can be with us now. So for the first time in human history, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace, he's here. He is with us. And that is why we sing. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, wise 
The life of Jesus was an incredible one. After he finished eating curds and honey and grew up into a young man, he lived, he served, he died, and he rose again. And all the while, Jesus saved. He saved people over and over and over and over again. He did exactly what he came to do. And we have to look at what he did, and that's John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And what is the name of God's one and only son? Jesus, Yeshua, the God who saves. And those who believe in that name are saved. But there is more than one name to God. So we need to believe. We have to start with believing in the name of Jesus that God saves. If you only believe any one name of God, I would choose Jesus. There's a reason that was the most important name. Because the only way that we can be saved is through Jesus. But let's not forget about those other names too. We are not condemned because we believe in the name Jesus. But if you believe in God, do you believe in his other names? You believe in Jesus and are saved, but do you believe in Jehovah Jireh, your provider? And do you, are you provided for? Do you believe in God, your great physician and healer? And are you healed? Do you believe in God, your wonderful counselor? And experience understanding and how to go through life's troubles? Do you understand God as your bread of life? And have life? And feel full and nourished? And you're, that empty hole inside of you is filled because of this bread and life? That hunger is not as satisfied. Do you believe in him as your everlasting father who builds you up and strengthens you and calls you into your destiny, tells you who you are? Do you believe in him as your prince of peace? Or are you just anxious all the time? Or do you need to believe in the name prince of peace so that you might receive the peace that's promised in that name? And do you believe that he's mighty, that he can do all of these things? But the good news of Christmas is that God is with us. Emmanuel. Since his birth, Jesus Christ has been with us. 
When he died, he rose and ascended. He left the Holy Spirit behind so that he could be with us. Not just the people who are in close proximity, but in the heart of every person who believes and who calls on the name of Jesus. So that's not just God is with you. That's all of God is with you and all of his attributes. So it's comforting to know that God is with you, but let's get specific about that. The wonderful counselor is with you. The good shepherd is with you. That everlasting father is with you. The comforter is with you. The friend is with you. The bridegroom is with you. The vine dresser is with you. He's here. He is with you now. And he always will be. And that's good news. So if you have never called upon any name of God, then let's start with Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I highly recommend it because this God that we've been talking about, he's available to you, who has made himself available. He saves, that's what he does. And if you do know Jesus, I still wanna pray with you and let's celebrate Christmas and thank God and, and allow me to spur you onward into continuing to discover more of these attributes of God and getting to know him by these names. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for Christmas. And God, first for the person who does not know you, God, we pray that they know you, uh, that they would accept you into their heart. And for that person, if you call upon the name of the Lord and believe that he died and rose again, accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you are saved. It is true. If you believe in your heart and call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So for that person, we call upon you, Jesus. We say thank you for saving us. We choose you, God. We establish you as the ruler and Lord of our heart. God, we thank you for your salvation, and we look forward to what life with you now looks like. And for those of us who have known you a long time, God, thank you for what you've done for us, the way that you've transformed us, the way that you are making us look more like you in all of these different ways, God. In each of these ways that we understand you, God, we're able to now reflect it because we're beginning to understand it ourselves. God, thank you for who you are. We love you. We uh, cannot wait to continue unpacking the vastness and majesty and glory of who you are, the goodness of it, God. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your son. And thank you for this life that you've given us, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for the 2022 Family Life Christmas Special. And from our family to yours, Merry Christmas! Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. We hope this message left you feeling encouraged, equipped, and empowered to fulfill your highest calling in Christ. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a review and share us with your friends. That is a simple but significant way that you can help us spread the word about what we're doing here. And if you would like to support our mission financially, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us through your giving. If you'd like to make a donation to Family Life, you can use Venmo or Zelle to the email address info at familylife.cc. You can also text any amount that you would like to give to the number 84321. If you would like more giving options or you would like to plan a visit or learn more about our church, please visit our website at familylife.cc. We would also love for you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at familylifecc. Thanks again for listening and God bless.